This is the Canadian Investor, where you take control of your own portfolio and gain the confidence you need to succeed in the markets. Hosted by Braden Dennis and Simon Belanger. The Canadian Investor Podcast. We're here. It is the 2024 Bold Prediction Show on the Canadian Investor Podcast. It's myself, Braden Dennis, Simon Belanger, and Dan Kent, the three amigos here to do our 2023 bold predictions. Here's the setup. Simone and I are going to go over last year's bold predictions, our hits and misses, mostly misses. They are bold after (laughs) all. And then we're going to step into our 2024 bold predictions. We have two each. We'll go around the horn round table, mastermind style, and deliver them. Simone, uh, with your idea, you're going to read my bold predictions of last year, and I'm going to read your bold predictions of the previous year. What did my silly brain predict this time last year for the the year that was 2023? (laughs) Yeah, so the first one, so I'll kind of, I'll say it already. You had one correctly, but it's not the first one that you did. So the first one was an AI bubble forms on the TSX Venture. You did mention that phase drive or, um, well, what is it? Steer now, their new name. (laughs) So the fraud that is, yeah, would get (laughs) into AI. Barely. They're on like life they support. renamed. Oh, I didn't even know that. I yeah. thought they went belly up. Well, they're 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 there. I I look at it every <laughs> little every once in a while. Look, I think it's trading at sixty uh, six oh, cents yeah, a share. Yeah, yeah, yeah six, it's almost dead. Six cents, not even sixty yeah. cents. Oh, yeah, exactly. God. And so it was kind of hard to check because I don't know that many TSX venture kind of AI or AI hyped stocks. I mean, I googled a little bit and I found five that seemed to have some kind of AI connection, and most <laughs> of them did not do that well. So I'm gonna say it's probably a fail from Braden in terms of that and. I can share with the joint TCI viewers here in terms of like I did a little charts with the names I found. So the tickers, they're all on the venture. So uh, PVT, OSS, Phoby AI that I know there's Doc, which is CloudMD and then E. N-E-O. You can look up the names if you want. They're all TSX Venture name. I just Google a few things and I found that they like were selling a little bit of AI in terms of what they're doing and how they're they're uh, seeing their business forward. So it's not looking that great for those stocks. I mean, AI stocks in general or AI related stocks, I think in the major markets have done quite well, but you did make it bold. You wanted it to be on the TSX venture. So I'm going to say it was a no-go for this one. Well, the TSX venture, uh, all the shit codes that be are stock promoters. So they're just hopping on whatever the hot thing is. <laughs> yeah. It turns out most of them are junky and didn't do very well. And that's what happens. You know, bad companies always report bad results and eventually have bad returns. In the short term, it looks like a, a bunch of them did get really bubbly. Like I remember in Q1, we, we were chalking this one up into a win because this was in the like extreme... AI, 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 you know, every conversation, every LinkedIn bro, every, you know, every earnings call was all about this. It peaked in Q2 and Q1 there with AI being mentioned on earnings calls. It did get pretty bubbly with some of these names there in February and March. So, um, you know, the points are made up and they don't matter. Yeah. It looks like you're scoring me on this one, but maybe I got one quarter. Maybe I got one quarter right. Yeah, and these financial, uh, you know, result companies getting into the business of AI too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think uh, yeah. I think CloudMD is like a, a, te- a telehealth, like a digital health company. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And it is. Phoby, uh, God, what did, Phoby used to be named something else. And they, yeah, they like I mean, they like rebranded because like oh I can't even remember they were trading I'm pretty sure AI. they were they were trading at like a thousand times sales yeah. or something stupid at yep. one point because they pretty much generated no revenue it started with an M Face Drive was a five billion CAD TSX yeah. venture stock and they took advantage of every single hype. Like, I'm pretty sure they were into, like, ride sharing. I'm pretty sure they did yep. some stuff with yep. food delivery and all that kind oh, of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like, they were just a complete Let, Let's rephrase. Sham. 
they didn't actually, but their investor slides. Yeah, did. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They got into the rental of EV vehicles. Oh, so my they God. would yeah. they would I think rent cars from Tesla and then re-rent them at a higher rate that you could actually <laughs> rent them directly from <laughs> Tesla. Oh man, it's, uh, it's got- like a, like a grade seven civics and career like you have to come up with a business idea it's that as a public company like that's how bad these ideas are and they slobber them all together and put it on a slide all right well uh your first bold prediction uh last year was average home prices in canada fall 20 percent yeah yeah and so i I didn't look at the data this this is probably wrong Uh, it's wrong yeah, Canadian home prices don't fall when there's uh, yeah. What was it? Uh, what did we bring in? Close to two million uh, residents, and it was almost two million, I think, in 2022 calendar year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, definitely, it's pushed prices up for rents. Um, that's for sure. And I think, I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's people hanging on for dear life, right? They're just it's the last payment they're not gonna make is their mortgage payment. But we're, we're definitely starting to see a lot of cracks happening in the, the mortgage market and uh, a lot of people having no choice. I mean, you, people can just go on House Sigma, right? It's not, uh, I don't think it's available for Quebec, but most provinces it is. And it's kind of sad to see. I mean, you can see all the history of the price. And in Ottawa, I know it's pretty evident, like from the peak, we're down about 20, 25% in home prices. But that's around March of 2022. And you can see people that bought a around this time a lot of people who bought at 1.2 million and then they put it up for sale about a year later and then four or five reductions and it's still not selling now it's like 20 percent lower than what they paid for it and that's not a one-off that's actually unfortunately pretty common but since the start of 2023 i think overall i was looking at korea stats and it's been relatively flat for canada i mean calgary i think has been uh, crushing it but oh yeah yeah calgary has been on fire but most markets it's been slightly down or slightly up compared to uh, this time last year yeah so i'm gonna whip through your two last ones here because we have lots of bold predictions to get to today you said large financial services buys coinbase Looks like they're kind of a last man standing here uh, with yeah. the crypto yeah. exchanges. So that didn't come true. Hexa will file for bankruptcy and be delisted. That's the cannabis company that you've been banging the drum on. Yeah. Uh, I think pretty you've been close right on that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty well, close. Uh, we'll give this a, a, a yellow light. Uh, I feel like yellow. you're right. Uh, maybe just a year early here. Mm-hmm. And you also had the DraftKings would get purchased which uh, you know didn't happen, but there's been a lot of competition in the uh, sports gambling space, like immense competition, yeah, and ridiculously high customer acquisition costs because of that competition. Yeah, and Exo got bought by Tilbury, so when it looked like they were going to get uh, pretty much delisted everywhere, um, Tilbury came in and bought them on the cheap. So that's why I'm like, ah, it's a like a semi win just there in DraftKings. I mean, the stock has performed. I think it's up 200 percent, but uh, it's still you know burning a whole lot of cash as you can. And people can see that are watching here. So we'll have to see whether it kind of lives on or not. I'll go with your last two here. So on the heels of the HBO Warner Media merger that happened in 2022, uh, you said that there would be consolidation in the video streaming space. And one of the big players, uh, Netflix, Disney, Apple, or Amazon, would buy Paramount or HBO Max. Um, that has not happened, although there's been some cost, cost cutting in this space, though. So um, I think... You know, it's not a win, but you definitely, I would give you some props because there's been a lot of movement in that space for sure. This was a something's gotta give bold prediction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, th- these were not as bad as I thought they were. A lot of them were like kind of ish true, mm-hmm. but maybe that's being too generous. Last one here. Yeah, the last one. I would say your least bold prediction, but it came true. So QQQ, so the NASDAQ power shares outperform SPY, which is the S&P 500, by more than 5%. Well, yeah, it crushed Let me just it. add a yeah. zero on the end of that to make it yeah. a little bit more bold. <laughs> yeah. So um, this one, the uh, returns, when I pulled this, the QQQ actually had returned 49% year to date. I pulled this a few days ago, whereas the uh, S&P 500, again, had done uh, 22%. So 
pretty, you know, pretty impressive returns. Definitely ding, ding, ding. You got one. But I think we're we're going to have to make them a little bit, a little bit bolder this year. People will probably not have heard this while Dan was coughing a lung, but uh, it's okay. Are you okay? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> My lungs are they're, yeah. they're on the floor, but I am totally yeah. fine. No, I, I think that that's right. I, th- I mean, I should have probably said 50% there. Of course, of course, these $3 trillion market cap companies are going to go up 60% in one year. Of course. What am I thinking here? All right, let's move on to 2024. Let's get Dan in the mix here. Yeah. We'll go Dan, Simon, Braden uh, through, the, through the gauntlet here for our bold predictions of 2024. Mr. Kent, what's first? All right, so this one to a lot of people might not seem that bold just because of the situation uh, that they're going to be heading into, but I believe that Canadian banks will break a long trend and continue to underperform in 2024. And the reason why I think a lot of people might not think this is going to be bold is just because of the situation in 2024 with the mortgages and all all the kind of economic hardships, but... Um, and I did pull this data from Hamilton. They ended up giving me this data. When banks go through tough times for multiple years in the history, it is in history over the last 20 some years, it's pretty much been a guarantee that they rebound in quite a big way. So over the last 21 years, there has been 22 times where the Canadian bank index had negative rolling two year returns, which pretty much means. Like, let's say you compare till the end of March, 2023, you would go back to the end of March, 2021. And that would give you like a rolling two-year return where you judge the returns during that time period. So 20, 22 times over the last 21 years, they've had negative rolling two-year returns and 21 out of those 22 times, they've provided positive returns over the next 12 months. So you're talking like over what 95% chance historically that the banks would go on to provide positive returns. But I just think because of the situation in Canada, especially in regards to real estate, we'll have them bucking this trend in 2024. And this is coming from somebody who has a, a decent sized position in Canadian banks. I mean, I own equal weight positions in uh, Royal, BMO, TD, and and Equitable. So I wouldn't necessarily say I would expect the banks to post like large negative returns or anything. And this is also on an index level and not necessarily an individual bank level. So the index, the Canadian bank index just contains the big six. So it'll be national uh, BMO, TD, Royal, CIBC, and Scotia. So I just think, you know, overall, I'm, I haven't been a huge fan of Scotia or CIBC. And I think particularly with their results, like moving forward, they might drag the index down. Whereas I think, you know, banks like Royal who are, you know, really well diversified internationally and not so heavily exposed to Canada, it might help them out a little bit. So I don't necessarily mean all banks, but I think, you know, just as the index overall, it might struggle. And uh, I think a string of rate cuts will end up helping companies like utilities, telecom pipelines, which is a huge chunk of the TSX. So that's also why I think, you know, it'll, it'll probably cause the banks to underperform the index as well. And again, I mean, I own quite a bit of Canadian banks. I'm not like a doomsday or anything. I just think it's... Uh, it's going to be a pretty tough environment moving forward. And uh, I don't know if, if anyone thinks that's actually bold or not. But, I mean, historically, it's it's been crazy how well they've rebounded. I mean, I like it, but um, you've, uh, you're going to be canceled for being uh, bearish on Canadian yeah. banks. That's how much Canadians <laughs> left yeah. their banks. Oh, uh, I know. It's crazy. Bank stocks, right? <laughs> yeah. You, oh, can, man. You, you can't take the bearish side. Don't bark up the dividend investor tree. It's, uh, it's, it's a place that validity of argument and math don't exist <laughs> no uh, but i like it so when uh, you know we'll come back uh, next year and see if uh, if it came true or not for me i mean the tradition is i always do kind of a crypto slash bitcoin bold prediction so i'm gonna go ahead and do one here relating to uh, bitcoin etf so jp morgan will launch a bitcoin etf in 2024 i didn't say specifically whether it'll be a spot bitcoin etf i'm gonna give myself a little bit of leeway there 
most people are predicting that the SEC, so the Securities Exchange Commission, will be approving a slew of spot Bitcoin ETFs in 2024. There are already in the U.S. some futures one, but not some spot. The reason why it's really bold is because Jamie Dimon really hates Bitcoin and crypto. And I mean, that is not an understatement. I mean, this guy really hates crypto and he's been... He's been on that for years. I mean, recently he was in front of Congress and he said that the only u- true use case is criminal drug traffickers, money laundering, tax avoidance. And if I was the government, I would shut it down. So I think, um, tell us how you really feel, Jamie. Yeah, that's, uh, well, good thing it's criminals, drug traffickers, money launderers' favorite bank, Jamie. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And I, I went at, uh, there's this site with good called Good Jobs, which does violation tracker. And JP Morgan has been fined 272 times, totaling $39 billion <laughs> since 2000. So, um, you know, maybe Jamie should, you know, just uh, mince his word a little or choose his words a little bit better because pick your violation. Uh, JP Morgan has been fined on it, whether it's mortgage abuse market manipulation, anti-money laundering, they've been fine on that. So I always find that uh, pretty funny when he goes off. I mean, uh, you know, Jamie Dimon, sometimes he's well-regarded. I mean, he does something, you know, he's a banker, right? And to me, that's just a reflection. He's a banker's banker, too. Yeah. Exactly. He's the banker of all bankers. Yeah. And at the end of the day, look, I think he's looking for his business and uh, he's done quite well for himself since he's been uh, CEO of JP Morgan. Uh, his wealth has increased uh, quite significantly. And you can only conclude that they see some kind of threat from crypto if he's being that, you know, forward against it for so long, despite a uh, Larry Fink and BlackRock coming out pretty favorably with Bitcoin, right? So, you know, I think it's very bold. I don't think it's... I probably give it uh, less than a couple percent chance to happening that JP Morgan will launch um, a spot Bitcoin ETF because they do have some ETFs for people that are not familiar. They're typically more actively managed ETFs, uh, higher fees, um, but they do have some ETFs, so it's not out of the realm of possibility. My point is that they're going to get investor pressure to offer this service. They're going to get pressure from their wealth clients to offer some kind of exposure. And that would be the only way that I would see them offering that. But I'm, you know, got to make it bold. So I think that's as bold as it gets here. I like it. I I think it's great. I mean, I think it's just (laughs) bold enough and it's just possible enough too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not impossible, highly unlikely, Mm -hmm. which I mean, I guess, yeah, it's bold. It's bold. The uh, two hundred. How many? How many fines have they got from the regulators? Two hundred and seventy-two for thirty-nine billion since two thousand. Yeah. You know, this is this is the time where people get you know upset with how the world treats white-collar crime. Th- this is this is why, right? Like, you see, forty billion dollars worth of fines, two hundred and seventy-two violations against the law. It's the it's a go, it's a revenue source for the government. Yeah. It's not actually. <laughs> it's a speeding has ticket not, much, for us. Yeah, yeah. yeah it has yeah. nothing. Yeah, it's it's a revenue source. It's a meter made hmm. type of type of revenue source. Now, it's outrageous. To be fair, he's been CEO only since two thousand six. So you know the pre two thousand six period. Oh man, uh, J J P Diamond. I can't call him yeah. anything else after that. So uh, it's your turn, Bredo. All right. Here we go. My bold prediction is a stock we've talked about maybe only once or twice on the history of this podcast. Soft Choice gets acquired in 2024. Soft Choice is a Canadian-based IT services company. I think it's around 600 billion in market cap. The IPO at around a billion in market cap in 2021. They sell hardware software, cloud migration services, and consultancy around the implementation of them. If you're a company looking to move to the cloud, build a hybrid cloud setup, ramp up your security posture, buy a bunch of boomer laptops, and get migrated to Office 365, hey, 
Soft choice has got you covered, all right? <laughs> I, should, I should be their sales I pitch. never heard of this company before. I've never heard yeah. of it either. <laughs> no? Like from oh, your, man. Yeah, from Dan's reaction, I'm like, okay, he yeah. hasn't heard of it either. <laughs> wow, okay. Well, I mean, the IPO in 2021 are almost a billion in market cap. Uh, they employ a lot of people. They employ a ton of salespeople. It's a sales business, right? Like, that's that's what it is. You're, se- you're selling commoditized products products and solutions from Amazon Web Services, Microsoft, and and IT hardware providers. And so the business is about 50-50 Canada and US in sales. And they went public in the spring of 2021, and it has not been great. Since then, total return, the stock's down around 20% since that time frame. The stock went haywire upon IPO. It was a a hot time for the market, a hot time for tech. Everything that IPO during that time had a similar quick double and then fall from grace. The company did around $872 million in sales on the trailing 12 months and around $93 million in free cash flow in the last uh, four quarters. Here's why I think they're going to get acquired. Okay, The professional services part of the business, so the less commoditized part of the business is actually growing. Now, it is not a large part of the business. If you look at their Q3 2023, it was only 8 million in sales, or sorry, 8 million in gross profit of around close to 85, 90 billion, uh, just based on some quick math. So it, it, it's a small part of the business, but it is growing and it makes up a significant part of the margin profile. The margin profile is pretty bad selling software that is commoditized, that everyone's selling. You know, selling Office 365 subscriptions and stuff like that is only around 13% gross margins. The services business is close to 30% margins, however, and they're leaning more and more into it. It's it's actually been a pretty steady grower over time, and it makes a lot better gross profit and free cash flow. So this this strategy appears to make some sense. I think they've seen this public markets movie long enough. I think that they are a pretty good public takeout target for a mature services roll-up like Accenture or CGI, which is a Canadian-based IT services company. I've been pretty good at predicting public market takeout targets on the TSX with these bold prediction episodes. I've just generally been a year or two early on them. I believe that's probably what's going to happen here. I don't think SoftChoice will be a public company in five years from now. I just don't think it makes sense for them to be. And ultimately, I'm sure they could spin out lots of free cash flow if they just kind of tightened up the efficiency, kept learning into the service, leaning into the service businesses and keep going with their aggressive sales tactics. It's it's not a big business, but it's not a growing business right now. And the public markets have not been super kind to them. Sounds like a perfect target for private equity, if you ask yeah. me. This leverage buyout, you yeah. know, just some bring some efficiencies, uh, oh, yeah. bring it private. Forgot bring some about efficiency, that. A.K.A. Uh, Carl Icon, fire, fire floor seven and up. <laughs> no, I, th- I, th- I think Accenture and uh, Accenture and CGI have probably already had these Inquire. combos yeah. with a with a soft choice type name. I mean they it, it's a big acquisition for them. What's it 600 million in market cap right now? But 900. 900. Okay. 917 so million. Yeah. Okay, so I was off by a little bit. So close to a billion, so it's it would be a big uh a bigger takeout, but I I if you had to if I had to bet if they were going to be publicly traded in 2030, I would say no. So this is my bold prediction. I like it. I like it. That's yeah. that's your uh, that's your bread and butter like uh, acquisition targets. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I, I've been lucky so far. Freshy was right, but that was a couple years early. There was there was another one that I got right, but uh, I like to do one a year, and so this is my my takeout target. Perfect, Dan. What's your uh, your second bold prediction? So I had um, small caps will pretty much break out of a very long drought here and outperform large caps as a result of rate cuts. Um, I think they will end up cutting rates 
in 2024. I know, Simone, you have like the the next prediction on rate cuts, but I think they might actually go further than that, like 150, 200 basis point cuts. And typically, if that were to happen, I think we would go more into a risk on market for sure, even though it seems like we're in one right now with like the NASDAQ up 40% and the S&P up 20. But that's pretty much all large and mega caps. So historically, small caps, they've been more expensive on a forward price to earnings basis than large caps. But since the market corrected in late 2021 and the the bubble kind of burst, I guess you could say, in the markets and they went on that huge drawdown, uh, large caps have taken over and the valuation gap between small and large caps is the largest it's been in 20 years. I think so you're going back to almost, you know, just post dot com bubble there, 2003, 2004. The it's going to require pretty prudent selection when it comes to small caps, I think. I mean, there's very little, especially in Canada. I think they have one small cap ETF and it's like full of material and junior miners like it hasn't done very well. So you definitely need to to understand what you're buying, but I do have uh, a pretty big soft spot for small cap companies. I own I own quite a bit. I try to keep pretty small allocations to most of these companies. I don't really go above two percent for each position. But I mean, a lot of people you know listening to the podcast might know. Like I own Well Health, Park Lawn Corporation. What's another one I have? Alaris Equity Partners. Uh, just companies like that. You know, sub two billion. Even Aritzia. I would almost say is like a borderline small cap. I think they're above two billion now. But I think when they start cutting rates, it's really going to be bullish for these small cap companies who historically actually end up outperforming once a recession starts. So. JP Morgan reported that US small cap value stocks are trading 14% off their 20 year averages. And the Russell 2000, which is pretty much a small cap index in the US, is trailing the Russell 1000, which is the thousand largest companies in the US, by 20% since late 2021. So this is a massive variance in returns. It's usually never this wide. And as I mentioned, there's been a lot of back tests to prove that small cap stocks will typically outperform their large cap counterparts coming out of a recession. The difficulty here, obviously, and why this is a bit bold is we technically haven't hit a recession. So the question would be whether these small cap stocks have bottomed yet or if they have room to go downwards more. But I read a report on Barron's that suggests that over the last reset over the last 11 recessions, small cap stocks have outperformed large caps once an official re- recession starts by an average of 16% for the forward year. So, I mean, the difficulty in executing this and actually taking advantage of this is you have to be buying companies that are currently like pretty deep in the dumps right now. Like I'm, I'm buying Park Lawn pretty aggressively right now. It's down like it's down quite a bit, at least 50, 60% off highs, mostly actually primarily due to rates. So a lot of what I, like I said, a lot of what I would believe would be small cap companies are trading like way off highs. So it does take a lot of conviction and just a lot of belief in your overall thesis to be, you know, buying these companies when, uh, you know, the, the small caps have been in a bear market since 2021. Meanwhile, the S&P and the NASDAQ are just ripping. But that's my bold prediction for, for 2024. I think I think they start cutting rates a lot quicker than most would expect, just because I think economically it's going to get a bit worse here. And as a result, I think these stocks are going to do really well. So if you have to put a number behind this bold prediction, what would it be? Like how much small caps would outperform large? Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, we have something to measure it with, so we can't go. We have to put, got to put a number next to it. Okay, uh, I'll say the Russell 2000 doubles the S&P in 2024. Okay. That's a a bold prediction. Sold. Yeah. (laughs) There's a huge gap now, but yeah. It's a a massive gap. Yeah, small caps have been absolutely thrashed the last while. They have, and... Mega caps have dominated. Yeah, it's it's such a giant disparity right now. I guess the I guess my counter my counter pushback is actually not on the companies in the Russell two thousand, and, and more so that the companies today in that mega cap 
world are materially so much better than any other period, in my view, of large cap dominance. Like, if you look back on top 20 by market cap in the S&P through decades previously, they were not nearly as dominant and as profitable and growing like a Apple, Microsoft, Amazon type name. Like, I think that there's fundamentally different from a growth trajectory, distribution intertwined with our lives and margins. It's like, do you, how much, how much cash, free cash is Apple going to generate like next year? It's like, it, it's, it's out of control. It's unbelievable. That being said, I see what you're talking about with the discrepancy. It's also, one of the largest it's ever been. It is like a very valid point though, especially like when they're comparing, you know, like typically people go to small cap stocks because they're growing faster when now you have these trillion dollar companies that are still growing, you know, 20, 25%. Like what is Microsoft growing? They're like 27, 28%. So, I mean, a lot of people might not see the need to go into small cap markets anymore, but I mean, it's got to close at least a bit, I think. I mean, a lot of a lot of these companies, there's some pretty high quality companies. I mean, obviously, most of the ones that I own, I think are, are pretty high quality. But I mean, they've just they've been completely ignored since that, you know, that bubble burst, like those market off market peaks in 2021. And there's really has not been a lot of money going back into them. No, I, I'm, I'm with you for sure. It's just such a big discrepancy. I just I was just curious because I was looking on Apple's just if you ever want like large numbers yeah. uh, on your screen, <laughs> go to Apple's financial statements and the segments and KPIs on FinChat. Apple's did in their most recent fiscal year, which is September 23 ending, they did $40 billion in wearables, home, and accessories. So like selling AirPods, essentially. Probably watches too, Apple watches, AirPods. Yeah, all watches kind of and AirPods. The services business did nearly $90 billion. And that's yeah, high that's margin crazy. recurring. Yeah. So I, I have slight pushback, but I definitely see where you're coming from. The numbers don't lie there from that perspective. I think big tech is going to come up with AGI and a Terminator to terminate all small cap businesses. Yeah. <laughs> that's what yeah, all small happen. caps are done. <laughs> They're done. That's my theme with these episodes. <laughs> Throw that in as your uh, next bull prediction. prediction. Yeah. Simo, you got one here on the dock. Yeah, exactly. So I have to, I've been uh, messing around here, so I have to go back to my notes, but I'll get there. So my uh, second bull prediction here, like Dan alluded to it, it's uh, regarding interest rates. So I will say two things have to happen. The Bank of Canada will cut rates by 150 basis points in 2024, and the TSX will be up by more than 20% in terms of total returns. So it's going to be just crushing it in 2024. See, Simone, one of us cannot be right based on my next That's what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> he's a, yeah, the complete reverse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see. Yeah, so Canada, so the context here is obviously is Canada's economy is already showing significant signs of slowing down. Canadian Tire has been saying this since June. We talked about it on the podcast that consumers shifted from non-essential to essentials. Q3 GDP came out recently and fell 1.1% on an annualized basis. I've been pretty vocal, I think, since the summer and since listening to earnings from companies that I thought we were probably already in a recession and I think the numbers are starting to show that it looks like what I was thinking was right just because I'm not trying to do any macroeconomic predictions I'm just listening to what companies are saying and companies especially like a Canadian Tire with such a big financial division with their credit cards I mean they see what people are doing and I do think I do wonder sometimes if central banks are actually looking at that or not I mean I would assume they are but 
sometimes I have some doubts and Canadian households are facing historic levels of debt. Financial data shows also that credit card balances are increasing. And according to the CHMC in 2024 and 2025, there is an estimated 2.2 million mortgages that will be renewing and facing significantly higher rates. That's 40%, uh, 45% of all mortgages in Canada. So that means that discord of households, which unfortunately I'm in, will have much less money to spend when they renew their mortgage. And my view is that the Bank of Canada will try to help that because the economy is going to be struggling and they will want to avoid more people renewing at significantly higher rates. There will be higher rates, of course, but not as high as they could be, therefore giving them more money to spend and hopefully helping the economy. So obviously, we've seen the inflation come down as well so far this year has always been reluctant because I think historically, if you look at a month by month basis, it's never going to be a straight line down. So I was always reluctant to make any predictions when it came to inflation until we really saw it trending down for a while. But I think now it's safe to say that Obviously, there are some things leading it, like, uh, for example, oil prices that have gone down significantly. But I think overall, even core prices have been trending down. And although the Bank of Canada is supposed to be independent, there will be mounting pressure from financial sectors, so the banks, households, politicians, businesses, to get the Bank of Canada to cut rates. And because of all of this, I think the BOC will not have a choice. They'll do multiple cuts in 2024, and the rate will come from 5% to 3.5%. Obviously, it's not going to go to pre-COVID or COVID levels. And because Canada and the TSX is heavy in stocks that are dependent on rates, I'm thinking financial stocks here, banks and insurers, utility, REITs, and most, you know, there's a lot of high levered company and I think they will be benefiting from these rate cuts and uh, the market will push them significantly higher and will lead to the TSX being up 20% uh, total so that's my bold prediction both of them have would have to happen so if one or one happens the other one doesn't it's a no-go well I'll save my comment for my bold prediction <laughs> any, any thoughts there from you Dan I, I actually would tend to agree with this. I mean, the the one thing about inflation, I think, what is it like the, the majority of it now for them to get back to their 2% target is mortgages and rent. So, I mean, you would think a rate drop could possibly get them to that target sooner unless they're like seeing something that, you know, everybody else isn't seeing. But again, like it's been pretty obvious that, you know, a ton of Canadians are scaling back when it comes to like discretionary purchases we saw with costco saw with canadian tire i mean you saw with aritzia everybody's reporting you know big slowdowns and uh i i i would not be surprised if this happens i mean i i kind of claim 200 basis points in that small cap bold prediction so we'll see what happens 20 <laughs> percent returns on the tsx would would be huge yeah, that's why I think it's it, there's the the two component there. Yeah. But I agree with you. I mean, even Braden, he's switching back to uh, Dirt and Ramen. So uh, times are tough, <laughs> right, Braden? <laughs> I will I'm say, though, Dirt and Ramen, baby. Both of your <laughs> predictions can come true. That's true. It just needs yeah, to be, uh, yeah. It's just got to be another monster year for <laughs> yeah. the U.S. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, I will round us off here with my last bold prediction. The U.S. market more than doubles the TSX again. And so year to date, the SPY total return has done 22.66%. And the TSX composite index has done around 7.5%. So essentially tripled. Yeah. And I, I, I suspect that next year looks like more of the same. And you're going to see how my way of thinking about this compares to Simone's and the fact that I'm going super micro and you're going super macro. And I think both both data inputs are are fine to use. You'll just see the difference in how I think versus maybe how you're approaching the same thing. This graph, fellas, that you have on, uh, I have here on the screen, that blue line and the red line going back to 1990 
Does anyone have any guess what this is? I I purposely didn't include a legend, so I could I could see if you guys have any guesses. I mean, no, I don't think. Uh, I would say for those listening on the sure. podcast, yeah. it is a blue line and a orange line, and both lines keep crossing each other and going back and forth. And you know, one time there's some spread where the blue line's higher. Sometimes there's a spread where the orange line is higher. But for the most part, would you say, fellas? This trend has a high degree of correlation, yes or no? High degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, there's definitely definitely something financial because it dropped uh, <laughs> heavily in 28, uh, 2008, 2009. <laughs> That's right. All right, so the blue line is the, the price of the S&P 500. And the... Orange line that you can tell has has less readings because it's just quarterly and it's more like a stairs up and down is earnings. Earnings per share of the constituents market cap weighted to match the S&P index. The rationale for showing this is back to 1990. And as we've talked about many, many times on this podcast is stocks follow earnings, or we like to say, you know, the 2.0 version of this, is stocks follow free cash flow per share. In aggregate, stocks follow business results. The US market is expecting 11.8% earnings growth next year. It is even higher for those Magnificent 7 and Mega Tech Cap names. Let's look at two market constituents of the S&P versus uh, the TSX. Let's look at RBC versus Microsoft. Two blue chip stalwarts, very different businesses. Of course, one's a tech company, one's a bank. But you know, they're they're what I think of when I think of each of those indexes. Of course, Apple is bigger, but you know, what's a two hundred and fifty billion dollars in market cap between friends here? When we're talking about three trillion in market cap, Microsoft is expecting. earnings per share growth next year in 2024, 15.14% in 2025, and 18.01% in 2026 based on 30 analysts covering the name. Let's look at RBC. You have 2.67%, 5.6%, and 5.3% respectively. Now, of course, valuation matters, total returns matter, so on and so forth. And this is not actually a comment on RBC or Microsoft stocks. It's a comment on the market constituents between the US and Canada, between those indices that we're comparing. And there are great businesses on both markets. I own both. I own many on both, just like the the two of you do as well. But when you have a market cap weighted index, and in this world, I personally wouldn't touch a TSX composite market cap weighted basket with my own money. I wouldn't even think about it. And this is a comment on performance follows business results. And it's what I call gravity. Eventually, gravity sucks you back into reality amidst the noise of markets. And gravity is a universal law of the universe. And stock markets are made up of the constituents inside of them. I think that as even if you think the Magnificent Seven are completely overvalued, you are getting a much higher quality businesses inside of those names than on the TSX and a much more diversified basket as well. Because I don't really want to just own banks and energy and Shopify going into 2024. And so if both of us are right, Simone, that means that the... The U.S. market has another monster year, like like we had this year, which of course is not outside of the world of possibilities here. I mean, I hope you're both right, for sure. <laughs> be yeah. amazing. Yeah, that no, I think that, it's would, a, that would be good if we were. Yeah, I think it's a good one. I mean, hopefully, between all of us, we'll get at least one or 
too right. But I think, you know, we put enough of, you know, whether you put two variables that have to come true or some pretty big gaps that have to come true. I think it's uh, I think they're pretty bold. I mean, we always get some feedback from people. Um, you know, I think we just have fun with this. I mean, the amount of conviction that we have in these bold prediction, I think will vary The you know, my conviction in the the Bitcoin ETF with uh, JP Morgan is not very high. That's definitely quite bold. But I think, Brayden, you probably have a decent, I would say, higher conviction than me with that prediction than uh, the one you just did with the U.S. market. Yeah, I, I, I mean, of course, like you mentioned, it's 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 just for fun and us, you know, yeah. throwing out uh, you know shots and on on goal that maybe come right. But I think fundamentally, like our predictions come from a lot of stats and statistics and and what we truly think about maybe it's it's almost just like an exaggerated way for us to uh go full meme uh you know go full degenerate gambling mode on what might happen <laughs> in the future and you know the truth is probably somewhere in the middle and uh you know it's a useful thought exercise i think yeah yeah no i agree it's kind of it shows our different perspective even in our bold prediction the way we kind of look at things uh and how we get to that answer too right like you started from macro i started from hmm what are the constituents in the index i'm comparing right yeah i mean i would have went the macro end too just rate cuts and how how beneficial it would be to a lot of the canadian companies that have just gotten thumped the last while Mm -hmm. like telecoms utilities I think even with a, uh, with rate cuts, I mean, the only way the bank would maybe cut severely is in the event of a recession or, you know, it gets pretty tough here. So I, I don't necessarily think that that banks would ultimately benefit a ton. They would, you know, down the road. But I think if they end up cutting rates, there's a chance that the TSX could, could perform quite well. But you are right in the fact of like the the TSX index funds, like there's way, like they're so heavily weighted towards like, I even look up the TSX 60, it's 30% financials, 20% energy. Like it's just so focused on, you know, pretty sensitive areas that um, I, I wouldn't really own a, a basket, like an index basket of the TSX either, but I could see it yeah. returning 20% next year. It's it's possible. Depends. Yeah. And I think there's, there's two, there's two important takeaways there, right? It's like, go with what you know, like for me, for you, both of you guys, you guys are really smart with this stuff, like much, much smarter than I am when it comes to macro and and commentary on it. That's why I like listening to you guys talk on the Thursday episodes. And that's not how my brain works. I come to a a different way. And I think that that's a good like kind of takeaway. It's like, you know, stick to like the circle of competence and like in a way that you actually enjoy. Like I find no joy in studying the economy and (laughs) macro, but I find immense joy in in studying individual businesses. Like that's, that's where I get like intellectually curious. And I think that that's an important takeaway is like whatever you find stimulating is what you're going to continue to do and get better at versus like trying to force yourself to learn stuff that you don't love. Like it makes no, no exactly. sense. Yeah, I've been always been fascinated uh, with macro. And the reason for banks that I mentioned that was more from – um pressure from their loan portfolio that could be slightly eased with uh, yeah exactly and then the market viewing that from a good way and the other thing i didn't mention is that especially if the u.s the fed cuts rates you could also make a case that that would help oil prices because it would potentially stimulate demand as well uh, which has been a dot under pressure and obviously oil prices go higher Canada is also very dominant in uh, the oil sector as well in terms of the TSX. So that would be another potential effect. But I mean, it's going to be a fascinating year. I don't think anyone could have predicted all that much what happened this year. And then 2024, I mean, uh, I feel like we could just take a a dart, throw it at a board with different outcomes and probably have better luck than our both predictions. Yeah, that's right. I'm sitting on too much cash. So I hope we get like some massive drawdown. I mean, if you think about it, like it, I can finally buy Costco stock. If that yeah, happens, no. but until then, <laughs> yeah. can buy a share. No, just, yeah. yeah, one share. Yeah, all that cash I'm sitting on, I got one share, fellas. If in your 2023 bold predictions you would have said, "Oh, I predict the Nasdaq could go up by 40 percent," that would have been pretty bold, and it did. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's right. Yeah, we'll no, see. it would have would have been exceptionally bored, bold, and that uh, there's going to be 
potentially massive bank failures, collapses. Yeah. I was thinking just just now was was FTX collapse last year or was that this year? 2022 yeah, uh, November. Year. November early, I think early mid November of 2022, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so kind of in the back half there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, basically point. I think he got convicted as BF. I think to the like to the year with that infamous tweet from CZ basically selling that uh, saying he would be like selling off all these FTT tokens. Uh, so it was like to the year, yeah, when he got convicted, mm-hmm. and then wow. obviously it took like a week or a week and a half after that, and it just imploded. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know the drama. The drama yeah. always goes on. Gives Apparently, us to talk he's about. trading some uh, what fish of the sea or chicken of the sea cans in jail. Apparently, that's the new what? currency that they use <laughs> instead of cigarettes. Oh yeah, I'm not even making that up. Like, uh, look it up. So apparently, the yeah, the jail currency is no longer cigarettes. Is these like kind of like fish cans. sardines? Uh, n- n- well, <laughs> yeah, something like that. I think I chicken of that. the sea is one of them. Yeah, yeah. Look it up. You'll see. Chicken of the Sea is a sardine, I think. Is it? <laughs> yeah, it's like those little like gold cans and you'd peel them back and they'd have those gross little fish on the inside. Yeah, that's what they trade in prison. Yeah, eh? it looks like a tuna can. Or is yeah, it Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I think so, it is tuna. Hey, hard yeah, currency. And... <laughs> or maybe Chicken of the Sea is yeah. tuna. I don't know. That's, that's weird. Yeah, yeah. It's a weird name. <laughs> it's a brilliant name is yeah. what it is. I love it. Thanks for listening. Folks, we appreciate you tuning in. We are here Mondays and Thursdays with any combination of the three of us. I guess mainstay, (laughs) mainstay Simone. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm always here. Check it along there. Go check it. Yeah. What's that, sorry? Uh, I would say Happy New Year to our listeners. I always were recording this couple weeks in advance, but I believe this will be released on New Year's Day. Yeah. There you go. Well, Here it is, 2024. We'll be here Mondays and Thursdays with you all year long. And uh, if you haven't given the show a rating or review on your podcast player, up on there, uh, if you have an iPhone, say even if you're, how about this? Even if you're a Spotify listener, if you have an iPhone, can you go on Apple Podcasts? It's It's called Podcast App. If you're using it, you'll know what I'm talking about. But if you're not, this purple. is the instructions. It's a purple. It's a purple button. <laughs> Go on there, smash review, and then we're able to read these ones from this app. So if you if you give us something nice, we'll give some shout outs in the new year on some nice reviews that come in. It does a lot of things for the podcast, including making more people seeing it. And of course, making us feel good more importantly than anything. So go on to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. If you want to support the show on Patreon, you can at jointci.com. We'll see you in a few days. Bye-bye. The Canadian Investor Podcast should not be taken as investment or financial advice. Braden and Simone may own securities or assets mentioned on this podcast. Always make sure to do your own research and due diligence before making investment or financial decisions.